Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to Series 6, Episode 4 of Out with Susie Ruffle. Hello. Um, I should probably apologise, my voice sounds very croaky. I've just got up. It's 7am and uh, this is the week that uh, my wife and I are finally moving house. It's been a really long journey. but We've got a lovely home that we're moving into and I'm really, really, really excited uh, to put our own little stamp on it. We got the keys a couple of days ago and it just feels very, very exciting. But today, mum and dad are coming up. We've left some stuff in their house for about a year uh, because we've been moving around a bit. So they're coming up, they're bringing up the staff. The baby will be up shortly. So I thought, right, get up, do the intro. Uh, the, the episode was recorded uh, earlier in the week and just say hello and then also say I'm sorry I sound like this um it's very very croaky um it's I should say I am very very croaky rather than it is very very croaky it's very rude about myself so early in the morning but I hope whenever you're listening to this you're having a a good day or uh, this podcast brightens up your day in some way um I've got a brilliant episode today Adam Johnson you may know him as Adam Ceramic he was on uh, the Great Pottery Throwdown, which if you know me, and I feel like you probably feel like you might because of the podcast, and if you listen to Like Minded Friends as well, you will know that I love any kind of TV show that also has sort of a creative and competitive element. My favourite things, my favourite things. Bake Off, Blown Away, Great Pottery Throwdown, Sewing Bee, love all of them. So it was very exciting to talk to him. He's got a really interesting story, lots of stuff that I didn't know about. And his journey with creativity and the bumps in the road that he's had along the way. Yeah, I just loved, loved, loved talking to him. Before I begin, I need to let you know, we are doing another live out with Susie Ruffle back at the Soho Theatre. This time we're in the big room, which is very exciting, forward slash, oh my God, there's so many tickets to sell. Uh, But please come along. I haven't announced the guest yet because I haven't got the guest yet. That's the truth. I've messaged people. We'll see. But it's going to be someone brilliant. And it's going to be on the 2nd of December at the Soho Theatre. So that's a Friday, 2nd of December. I think the show's at nine-ish, maybe just after nine. So you can finish work, you can go and grab some dinner, then come to the Soho and uh, enjoy a live episode of this very podcast. I would love to see you there. Okay, as always, let's start with some listener emails and then we'll go on to the brilliant conversation with Adam Johnson, brackets, ceramics. Hi Susie, 
First off, thank you for your podcast. It brings joy to my day I didn't know I needed. It's so comforting to hear people's stories and find people to relate to. I recently saw you on tour after years of loving your comedy. I felt an overwhelming amount of joy at the show and my walk home is when I began to listen to your podcast. And wow, it's the best walk I've ever taken. I was so captivated with the podcast, I walked straight past my house. And any moment I've had free since has been spent listening. Yesterday, I listened to the one with Jude in season one. I have re-listened to it twice. As a 21-year-old who grew up thinking she was just a lesbian and that's why she dressed like a boy, this podcast has been everything to me. I'm still uncertain of where I fall on the gender identity spectrum, if you will, but I know that listening to podcasts like these make me feel okay about being unsure and okay about the fact that my assigned gender at birth might not be me. It gave me so much hope and reassurance that I actually told my best friend of 15 years that I don't want him to address me as she anymore, I want to use the they, them pronouns. Which, by the way, went absolutely the best it could have done. He's amazing. I don't know when I'll figure things out for myself, but I know that I definitely like girls and that I'm definitely not one too. Thank you for your podcast and thank you for helping people like me just by being you. Um, I'm not going to reveal your name because you haven't put a name on the end of it. I am so pleased you enjoy this podcast and it's helped you in some way on your journey. I think that quite often it feels like we need some sort of label and we need to know exactly what we are and, and who we are. And I think some people in our community really do. Um, like myself, for example, I've always known that I was a lesbian or a gay woman or however you like to call it. And that label's always, always really worked for me. But I think for lots of other people, labels can change throughout your life and you can work out that you're somewhere, as you say, on the gender spectrum that you didn't know that you were a little while ago you didn't feel like that a little while ago and and as you're saying I think feeling okay about being unsure is so brilliant I think it's so hopeful that we're moving towards a world hopefully where people can be more honest about that um, I'm so pleased that you're enjoying the podcast and I hope that you continue to do so and thank you so much for your gorgeous email okay let's have one more and then we'll get on to Adam Hi Susie, I love your stand-up and this podcast. I'm a similar age to you and I resonate with so much that you have to say. I listened to the podcast since the start and have been a fan of like-minded friends for years, so I feel like I really know you. It's been great watching your life and career develop from a distance. I was at your tour show in Farnham a few weeks ago and it was so great to hear you talk so openly about being anxious. I am newly single and a bit heartbroken, to be honest, but I came along to your show on my own and I'm so pleased I did. I left with such a spring in my step. This podcast is my little bit of love whenever I need it. Like you, I wish I had the show when I was 15, but I'm equally grateful that I have it now as a 35 year old. Lots of love and thanks mate. And that's from M. I loved receiving your message. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for coming to the tour. Oh, I should say that to the, the, previous, uh, the previous emailer. Thank you for coming to the tour as well. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think if you have been watching my stand-up or uh, listening to Like Minded Friends or indeed this show, you will know things about me from a distance. Um, and yeah, I, I've, I've shared a lot over the years on on podcast platforms. But, um, but I like it and I think sharing the good and the bad, which is why I talk about being so anxious in in the new show and how being a mum has changed that and post pandemic I feel I felt like I was unraveling a little bit and I think it's I think it's good to talk about that stuff and I'm so pleased that you connected with that it feels like lots of people are really connecting with that part of the show and I'm really really pleased I'm sorry to hear you heartbroken oh I've so been there I've so been there um, and I hope you're doing okay um, I never thought I'd think this when I was really heartbroken this is quite a few years ago now as you might know from the show because I mentioned I've got a little routine about it 
uh, maybe eight years ago, something like that. Six, six or seven, eight. Oh, who knows? It's it's flitted away into the distance. But I'm so pleased I had that. I'm so pleased I had that heartache because now I think I'm such a better partner to Alice and it gave me room to meet Alice and now I have my life and my baby and my wife and we're moving into our house finally um but fucking hell being heartbroken sucks and I hope that you're okay thank you so much for getting in touch you always can please do the email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com I always want to hear from you also if you've got time please like I mean, even, I say if you've got time, it takes like literally three seconds. Please like and subscribe and maybe just leave a really small um, review on uh, the Apple podcast app or the any of the podcast apps. It's really helpful because it helps more people find it, which means we can get sponsorship, which means I can make more podcasts. Okay, that's all. I think my voice sounds a lot less cro- croaky than when we started, so that's good. Um, let's go to the conversation now with Adam Johnson. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I hope you enjoy this chat. Oh, listener, I am so excited to share today's guest with you. Adam Johnson is a creative, a maker of beautiful things. You might know him from series four of Channel 4's brilliant Great Pottery Throwdown. I loved Adam's series and I was rooting for him the whole way through. And just so you know, this was before I knew him. Uh, We're new Brighton friends. Since the show, he has made ceramics his full-time job, selling unique and beautiful pots, vases, incredibly realistic traditional biscuits is it kadama 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 forest spirits and so much more his work is warm innovative charming humorous and full of love whilst on throwdown adam shared himself and his story with the world hello adam hi i was such a big fan of you on pottery throwdown i was a bit starstruck when i met you we met a couple of weeks ago with dear friend of ours yeah lovely joe lyset joe lyset and he was like, Adam from Pottery Throwdown's coming and his partner Dan. And I was like, great, I can't wait to be friends with them for my new life in Brighton. Was it amazing being on the show? It was absolutely phenomenal. It was beyond a dream because I've always watched it and wanted, like mm-hmm. I'm a proper fan of the show. Yeah. So I always really wanted to be in that position. Never thought I could be because I can't throw or couldn't throw. Right. Um, but thought I'd apply anyway. So I make these like little shell things. So I applied with like just a pinch pot and they're like, can I see something glaze? And I was like, I can't glaze. And they're like, can I see something thrown? And I was like, I can't throw. And they're like, get him on the telly. So they, they said yes. And I was like, oh God, now I need to learn loads of stuff. Like, How long did you have between them saying yes you're on it and doing it we were the covid year so we had a little bit longer everything had to be be sort of lengthened out because we needed to test and make sure and we had to isolate and stuff so it gave me kind of two to three weeks extra to just learn how to make a little bowl and the first challenge happened to be like a a cheese dome which is essentially a bowl turned upside down Mm -hmm. so I could do a bowl and just the adrenaline and I'm like a very anxious full of energy person so the adrenaline on the day just meant that I threw something much bigger than I could actually do and so I by skinning my teeth got through episode one and yeah, and here just, you are. And then made it all the way to the final. I know. Crazy. Did not expect that. Daniel didn't expect it. He was like, see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have enough clothes, didn't have enough plans. Um, and then, yeah, just had to sort of wing it, fake it till you make it, I guess. <laughs> oh, but that's what we're all doing, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. all of I think the that's time. the key to life, that no one really knows what they're doing. And with ceramics, the best thing is that there are no wrong answers. So mm. as long as you can make something, get it done and show it, and it's a true piece of yourself, like... You can't be upset, can you? And like the judges kind of liked what I made, which was good. I think they more than kind of liked. You made Keith cry a few times. 
I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think but, he did cry. <laughs> yeah. I think in my sink, he may have shed one single one single tear for that, but I think he preferred Peter's. <laughs> but yeah, he did. He cries a lot. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. Can I move that? Yes, you can. It's a present for you. So <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> You now have oh, a Adam's my God. piece. If you cut okay, me in Okay, keep half, this bit in. This is what this I is would be. This is what's inside. Yeah. And this is oh, what I actually interviewed for Throw Down With. And it's so one of the things before you before you've opened it, I'm telling you everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like a holy shell. Is that a Oh, I'm thing? glad you said that. A holy shell? <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's and I put a, a candle in it. Inspired by coral. Yeah, there should be a little candle <gasps> in there. So that's oh inspired my God. by Coral. I move into my house next yeah, week. Housewarming. Oh, that is so gorgeous of you. I will kiss you in a minute, but. It won't be on the limbs, don't worry. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you. Oh, that is the nicest thing. No one's ever brought me a gift. So I always sort of like, like to do a bit of a deep dive onto the person that I'm interviewing. Ooh. And I was reading up about you today and it said the first time you had a go on clay was when you were nine. Yeah. So like at school when someone's mum comes in because they're a potter, ah. um, Chris, she came in and she had us all on a wheel. And I threw like a little pot that then... You didn't fire it or anything. You just took it home. Yeah. Um, but my mum's my still got it. She's a proper hoarder of my things. <laughs> so she's still got that little, the original part. And yeah, that's that's kind of where it all began. But I didn't then pick up pottery again till I was in a wheelchair, really. So there was a big gap in between first part and then pottery journey. But yeah. pottery has always been, or creativity has always been my friend, really. Like So let's go back... I want to go the whole way through the story, yeah, yeah, do, but do. it quite often we go sort of chronologically. Yep. So Seaford. Yes. So for our listeners that, I mean, we have listeners all over the world. For someone that's maybe on the other side of the world, what? How would you describe Seaford? Seaford is a lovely little English town um, by the seaside, so it's kind of like half town dissected by beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone that lives in Seaford is always in the water. Um, in the summer and then in the winter not really loads to do so like you kind of have choices football or for me it was creativity yeah and it's just down the road from Brighton yes so uh, see if it's just an hour's drive from Brighton so Mm. Brighton was like the emerald city on the horizon for me as a gay kid growing up (laughs) yeah so it was similar for me because I was in Portsmouth and I do remember getting the train and sort of going and seeing girls holding hands with each other and thinking oh my god I bet their mums know (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I bet all their friends know so did it did it feel like that for you as well yeah yeah it was yeah it was a great great thing just a bus journey away and you could see kind of the life that you wanted but Mm -hmm. then going back to Seaford maybe not the life I had as a kid in the 90s growing up yeah so it was nice to know that there was kind of something else out there and that's probably why I live in Brighton now because I've kind of from the north Lived in Seaford, moved to Wolverhampton for a bit, and then back to Brighton. I think it is uh, it's the the place that I see myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, as you know, I've only recently moved down here, and it feels like it's been sort of, it's sort of like, oh, of course, this is where I'd raise my family, and yeah. this is where I'd sort of end up really putting down roots after sort of travelling, living all over London for years, moving around and house shares and different things. It makes sense that this is where I sort of, set myself down and sort of breathe and go oh okay so this is where I'm a grown-up yeah. this is my everyone's new nice phase. and chill and like you said people do walk around holding hands it's just lovely it's like yeah exactly the the place you saw in your head growing up isn't it like, I think so and I think as well like I often I think people like look at someone like the UK and sort of quite often our straight friends might say oh you know homophobia doesn't really exist anymore you don't really experience it you know you can get married you can have kids but you know <laughs> You really sometimes have to go an hour outside of a big city 
to, you know, and I know it from performing all over the place where you sort of get a slight bristle. Yes. Yeah. When you, yeah. Or, or if you hear sort of football chants, you think this isn't the place oh, to I hold know. hands. When there's like a big group of people and you think, oh God, and like... Friend or foe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Whereas in Brighton, it's a, it's a much nicer kind of feeling. You mm-hmm. don't get scared a lot. But yeah, when we do go out and about, it is, yeah, it is different out in other places, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And I think that the draw of Brighton and the... Yeah, I guess it's just like the openness of people because it's not just people that are sort of queer. It's just anyone that feels other. Yeah, you can just be exactly like, whoever you are, your you best be. self, can't exactly, you? Can exactly, exactly. And you can that. test out different things in Brighton as well. Different versions you? of yourself. No one's going to judge you. Yeah, yeah. Like if I wanted to walk down the street just wearing, I don't know, anything, I could do, and I wouldn't feel that someone's going to judge me or yeah. say anything. They'd so, probably oh, clap today. or yeah, yeah. be like, oh, I love what you're wearing. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a really nice, encouraging place to be. It's a, I think you're so a right. Beautiful city. It really is. So what was what was school like for you in Seaford? School in Seaford was interesting because it was the 90s. Yep. So obviously there wasn't really that much out there. There weren't podcasts. Phones nope. didn't exist. Nope. Computers barely existed. Yeah. Uh, so there wasn't a lot out there for like a, a kid that kind of knew that they were gay, but mm-hmm. wasn't that sure. Didn't know if that was the right life for me yep. because didn't have anything around me. It was just me. Mm-hmm. But I was quite lucky in that my dad got a job. Um, obviously, a job. My dad, <laughs> my dad worked. Um, he got a job away and said to me, right, either we can get someone to come in and look after you or you can look after yourself and I'll just make sure that there's the house is stocked with stuff. So it was so, like a bit of a... How old were you at this point? I was... My sister went to uni, so I was 13, yeah. So <gasps> you should have been by 18. yourself? Well, yeah. So if anyone's listening from child services, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when, when I was 13, I essentially had a a house to myself and as long as I didn't like push it too far or have too many house parties as long as the house still looked like clean and tidy when dad came home to do his washing and stuff then it was like a good deal that worked for both of us so I basically had the 13 year old's dream but also it was very lonely and sad at the (laughs) the same time the idea of it sounds great but then in practice yeah don't watch anything scary because then you're like oh my god I'm on my own in the house yeah I mean it sounds like the beginning of a horror film yeah yeah I still haven't seen Halloween. Dan made me watch Halloween the other day and I was like, oh my God, if I'd watched this when I was little, it would have like terrified me. So did um, you live by yourself until you went off to uni? Yeah, yeah. So 13 to what, 18, I went to uni, 18, 19. And yeah, so that's how I learned how to cook, how to clean, how to do all the stuff that you kind of learn when you go to uni. I was in good stead when I got to uni. Lots of people were yeah, like burning pasta. I was like, like a grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I could do all of all of that stuff, but I was still very... In the closet, really, kind of, because in Seaford, didn't really know many gay people. Yeah. Did have sort of flutterings, um, <laughs> but I guess everyone moved to Brighton, so like the yeah. the pool in Seaford was very small. I kind of had a, a boyfriend growing up, had a girlfriend, didn't know sure. wherever I wanted to be, mm-hmm. um, who I wanted to be until, yeah, until uni, so then... So I'd learned all the stuff about being a homemaker, yeah. went to uni, learned all the stuff about being... So My what would your self. routine be when you got home from school? Would you like all of a sudden be like a yeah, I'd like be a 1950s mum? Like, like now, kind of. Like, actually, I'm probably lazier now. Now I'm living with Daniel. Like, I, yeah, when I was little, I kind of had a really good routine. Get home, do the washing, do the dinner do my homework and like I said, as long as I towed the line, like as long as I was a good kid and didn't push the boundaries dad would be like yeah it's fine as long as he came home the house was still standing hadn't burnt down 
Um, and how often would your dad come home? He'd come home pretty much every week. Like he'd he'd work away in the north. He was doing like work with water boards and stuff. So he'd sure. go off do meetings and then come back maybe two times a week maybe yeah not necessarily on a weekend which meant I also got to have a good party house so I kind of did live the dream and had a really good social life and stuff when I was little so were you popular at school yeah no I don't know does any no probably not I I got bullied quite a lot by sort of the Seaford's quite a rugby town so there's kind of like a bit like a Netflix you see now it's very small town Mm -hmm. rugby team football and then there wasn't really anything else so I wasn't the cool kid but I wasn't I wasn't the worst bullied but Mm. I did hide in the art room all the time so every lunch I'd be in the art room Miss Taylor best teacher ever would be like just sit in here get on with whatever you want to do she sort of nurtured my creativity and I guess that's are you still in touch with her yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so nice. she still comments like now Instagram oh, and everything, comments on so all my nice. stuff. And we see her every now and again if we like do the open houses in Brighton, walking around. Yeah. And she's lovely, yeah. Still That's just really as cool. encouraging as ever. Do you think people around you were aware of your sexuality before you were? Yes. Well, I don't know. Well, it's okay, you don't have yeah, to have an answer I don't, to that. I don't really know. I was like, looking back, like I dyed my hair blue when I was in sixth form. So I was like, definitely pushing like who I was trying to mm. discover who I was as a person yeah but yeah I don't know in, then, the, in the 90s gay was just like a standard slur, slur. wasn't it yeah, so I'd be like totally. oh I'll drop my bag gay and then I'd be like oh my god I, everyone knows yeah of <laughs> like, course and of course we were all living through section 28 yeah, and it was yeah. just a, a totally time. different time I mean in some places they are really you know rolling all that stuff back now less so in this country but you know I'm sure people that are listening are like oh no that's like that here in Texas where it all you know yeah it's really frightening that you can feel like you can make steps forward and then it goes on pause and then you start walking backwards which is horrifying that's why things like this are so good well it's why I try and put I think it's good to try and put like out a little slice of positivity yeah where people can just listen to it and go oh okay yeah water the garden and the good flowers will grow that's true (laughs) that's nice this episode is brought to you by Etsy sound the gifting panic alarm you need to get an amazing gift Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So did you do glass blowing at uni? I did. So I blew my way through university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Love it. <laughs> it was an amazing course. And I actually went there to do woodwork and metalwork because that's what I thought in my head I wanted to do. What, um, like carpentry? Yeah, I quite yeah, like the idea of that. being like a lumberjack or a carpenter. Oh, like, I love I feel that. like in a different universe that Adam exists somewhere. Oh, I'm like, sure. Check shirt. Maybe later in life. Yeah, I, I have the check shirt. I just don't look as good in it yeah, as, oh, I'm as sure I'd like you do. to in my head. Um, but yeah, I went there to do woodwork and metalwork. Got there and I was a bit like, this isn't my crowd of people. Like, Was it a bit... Very like, sort of male bravado. Right. Like very blokey. Yeah, yeah, sort of like everything that I didn't like about school and Seaford, like the rugby club, football club. Sure. Suddenly that was the 
the guys that were doing the woodwork and the metalwork. So I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to massively fit in with this crowd. Mm-hmm. Where is my crowd? And Wolverhampton University has loads of different things going on. Is it a really arty university? Super arty, because I went there to do contemporary applied arts. So that's kind of like kind of like an umbrella term for like a little bit of everything. So okay, lovely. Have a little amuse-bouche of each thing. Perfect. Um, and glass blowing just seemed to click. It was so hands-on and Wolverhampton is where all the industry was. So right, there was yeah. Like massive like you know what a kiln is now so they're like huge kilns kilns that you can like walk in and things and to melt the glass you have to have a massive furnace so there's like a big cauldron and a glory hole and a glory hole all the good ones (laughs) oh yeah that's amazing as well yeah so I, I love a show where there's a challenge and, yes. and there's a personal story and people are just doing their best at the thing they love. Yeah, it's literally yeah. my favourite TV. Yeah, Blown Away is a series on Netflix that's about glass blowing. I highly recommend it. And so. one of the graduates from Wolverhampton yes. does well in it. Yes. <laughs> Without any spoilers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so... Had you done glass blowing before? No. Well, yeah, just casually. Just well, no, but down. I, know that there's, I know there's places you can go to like have a taste. There are session, now in Brighton. There's a place less, on the seafront, yeah. so you can go and make a bauble and stuff. But it's quite expensive, yeah. and I guess if well, anything arty is quite expensive. Yeah. And I've completely skin. I yeah. made it sound like my dad gave me loads of money and stuff, but we were like a, a, not a rich family, so mm. he had to go and work. Yeah, like yeah quite a skint artist which is why I still like making things out of like loo rolls and like anything to hand like but glass blowing didn't have access to that's why it looked so amazing yeah. and wonderful when I first saw it and it is sort of magical it is but I think anything creative is magical like I was watching bits back of your series of Pottery's Rodan before talking to you today that 1920s thing that you did for the final can you explain what Ooh-hoo. it is it was so good so it's, it's so good it's like a an Art no, Deco punch that's the words bowl. I'm looking for, art sorry. Deco. Yeah. Uh, it's my version of Art Deco because, as you'll see in Brighton, there's so much Art Deco heritage Love it. here. Yeah, and like, it's brilliant. Have you ever been swimming in the Lido? Because I know you like no, swimming. No, no, I need to. <laughs> yeah, so the Lido is Salt Dean, and every now and again it's open. Mm-hmm. They're redoing it, but that's a super Art Deco building, and there's loads of great heritage in Brighton. Yeah. And Brighton, obviously, being like gay mecca mm-hmm. um, I, we wanted to make it rainbow and to celebrate me and Daniel because it was the idea of it was to celebrate the yeah. 1920s and to celebrate 100 years because obviously we're in the 20s again yeah. we were like let's celebrate gay culture and, and the the move that there's been from the 1920s to the 2020s has been huge yes. and now we can have a gay wedding with a punch bowl at the front of it big colourful non-apologetic like bright and proud and just for me and Dan to enjoy. And yeah, absolutely loved making it. Yeah. It is a little kiss to Brighton and we will use it at our wedding. That's so nice. That was the thing that I thought that you were so... Unapologetically makes it sound like I know, you should like, be apologetic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, so, I think being unapologetically yourself is so... It's so charming to watch someone like that on television because I think so often, you know, people put on like these certain cloaks of what people want you to be or what they think you should be and certainly like you know the kind of telly idea where you're having to be like a comic and you're having to like slam a politician for a bit you know but when you're watching a show like pottery throwdown you were just like oh well this is just me yeah with pottery pottery is great anything creative is great because it does strip you back to who you intrinsically are yeah. like as you know you've yeah, tried throwing a I've pot you it. can't throw the pot that someone else has made can you yeah. you can only do what you can do and that is a little slice of your heart and soul isn't it so as long as you're being true to yourself your your work kind of 
shows who you are. I don't yeah. know what I was trying to say then, but no, I think, no, I, no, I think <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I totally agree. It's sort of your, your like a bit of you goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. So after university, I know that you mentioned before that you had sort of a break from pottery or a break yeah. from creativity. After uh, uni? Well, probably not so much creativity because I'm kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Like if oh, I'm I just if sat I down, like, I'm very rarely sat down doing nothing. Like I'll be scribbling something yeah. or sewing, doodling. Yeah. I'm doing any any kind of thing. But just after I graduated, I got run over. Yeah. So that was that was a big life changing event. Just yeah. crossing the road, got knocked down by a car, broke both my legs, broke all my teeth, broke my nose. Oh. I know I'm smiling while I'm saying this, but like it was a real life changing moment. I got um, brain damage as well, so had amnesia for a touch. Wow. Um, and then had to recover. So I was in wheelchair for two years, crutches, oh, had I a Zimmer frame. Which I, I didn't like. realise it was as long as two years yeah, that you were yeah. in a wheelchair. So wheelchair, like 18 months, and then had a Zimmer frame. So it was like hobbling around so and were you were you like living by yourself so at the time I was li- yeah Dan. predates Daniel who I'm living with now um so just just back from university came back to Seaford um and then yeah got run over and my plans for this big art blowing career kind of all got smashed yeah. <laughs> quite literally smashed um so everything had to change and the way our beautiful justice system works is that they found the person who knocked me down it was a failure to stop which we would all call a hit and run I yeah. would say um, and so there was a way to get compensation yeah. but that takes years that takes yeah. so long and then you need to remember stuff and I had amnesia so I was like oh, it was impossible to like get a, like what happened out of me so once my memory came back and everything like, I still don't remember the accident but um, then we could start but maybe sort of that's the re- a good thing exactly yeah yeah I don't want to do maybe shrooms or anything because then yeah. I remember it all um, yeah so it was yeah being in a wheelchair is a life-changing experience yeah. um, just from a going to the toilet perspective yeah so it changes you on so many base levels because it changes the way that you live um, where you can go yeah. there's so many places where you can't even go into a disabled toilet because like, oh, I've lost the key oh. and it's like oh you're secretly using it as a story aren't you <laughs> so yeah. it's like oh I need to go somewhere else yeah it changed changed me in so many ways from amnesia um, forgot a lot of my university degree so a lot of that was gone my plans for the future back? was gone I kind of think I know stuff now but it's kind of like amnesia isn't like you see in the films you don't suddenly like smell something and remember a whole year yeah. um, I feel like I've recreated a lot of it in my brain from like Facebook did oh no it was MySpace existed huh. then Facebook was quite new from like photos and from when someone tells you something and it then becomes you create a memory it in somehow. your brain and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that, but I don't know if I do. Um, so I thought I was going to be making these big Dale Chihuly-like chandeliers. Um, he's got one in the V&A and he was like <sighs> the person I wanted to be. Um, but glass, you need to be mobile, you need yes. to be quick um, and oh, yeah, you need to kind of in a wheelchair it just wouldn't work and, and presumably you've got to be really strong strong because yeah. of like the flipping Lots it around of leg and work. stuff and it took yeah. forever like my legs were about the size of my arms like in terms of sight like I had yeah, no like muscle. muscle so I had to figure out things that I could do while I sat down mm. and having a kiln for glass meant that I also had a kiln for ceramics because they're the same thing ceramics you can do sat down and I had real problems with 
a whole multitude of things. Like when you're remembering things, it's very anxiety promoting, mm. very scary. So I was having a tough time, got on all antidepressants and stuff and kind of needed something to do as a, a mindfulness thing. And ceramics became that. So mm. at that point in my life, ceramics kind of helped me out of a really tough situation and kind of became my friend. Um, I still didn't know how to glaze or do any of the like proper ceramics things, but I knew I just liked to sit down and do little fiddly things like smaller versions of what I might have been making in glass in a different life in the multiverse out there somewhere. Um, So it kind of helps you process the grieving for an old version of of myself. Yeah. And did it feel like you'd lost sort of, I'm guessing here, so stop me and tell me if I'm wrong, but I I wonder whether when you have an accident like that and you are sort of, you sort of lose a, a version of yourself and you lose independence does it also did it also feel like you'd lost like different strains of your identity it does it strips you back down to a very basic version of yourself and Mm. then you kind of have to choose how to rebuild that but I always say to to Daniel that being gay is actually a, a thing that because I was gay growing up you kind of do a similar thing don't you so you project a version of yourself that you think everyone wants to see while you exist as a slightly different version. Mm. And the ideal in life is that when you come out, those two collide and flower into a beautiful thing. But that doesn't always happen. Um, And I actually think that after the accident, because I did have to kind of rebuild my sense of identity and who I am, I could do that in a much more authentic way Mm. by sort of letting go of some of the some of the shit from my childhood and just being able to be a more authentic version of myself because I was maybe a bit more appreciative that you only get one chance, don't Mm. you? So you've got to be your authentic self as much as possible. Of course. And because was there a point when you were like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm walking again now or I'm just using a stick and I'm having a big, not to suggest that someone in a wheelchair couldn't go to like a gay bar or, or somewhere that was, but it feels like so much of our culture not always, but I think quite often our community is like in the club. Yeah. Or like, you know, I think maybe it's slightly different because you're in such an arty world and I think it's quite sort of queer. Is it fair yeah, to say? Yeah, like definitely. a lot Especially of like. Bright and arty yeah. World. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like. I certainly remember when I was growing up, it was like, well, I don't necessarily want to go to a, a club all the time, but where else do I make friends that are gay? Exactly. And that are you like kind me? of think you have to be this perfectly preened version yeah. as buff as possible yeah. to like fit in with the cool kids. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's terrifying. And if you don't fit in with that archetype, then mm. it can be really alienating. Yeah. But actually, I found a little pub in Eastbourne through a friend who came to visit me lots. And there was a really nice gay guy who ran that pub who was just inclusive of everyone Mm. and would be like, I'll come in, like made sure that there was the disabled toilet, which for me at that point was a huge thing. Yeah, of course. Um, And we had that really nice safe space, which was a gay club. So it kind of showed me that you don't need to be this perfect version of yourself, that queer is the full spectrum. 100%. It's celebrating everyone, isn't it? And, And that little pub kind of showed me a different version of what I perceived a gay world to be if Mm. that makes sense as well because I probably did think I had to be clubbing all the time I had to be wearing all the best clothes I had to be like this idyllic version of myself which being having been run over I was never going to be again so I kind of had to 
remedy, reconcile the the two, and yeah. actually being part of a queer community where everyone is as valid is a much better world to be a part of, isn't it? Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I often find that when I talk to the people that you would assume are like really cool and, you know, they're really sort of chic people who in the club seem like they're just effortlessly doing it. And it's you so I often talk to them and they'll say like, Oh no, I feel awkward and yeah, I feel yeah. anxious. And Everyone's yeah, panicking, all, no one knows what they're doing. No, we're all going, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, <laughs> is this right, is this right? So how long was it after your accident and then sort of getting back into clay and finding your happiness or sense of self? Is that a good way of yeah. putting it? I don't know if I ever have found my sense of self or ever will. I kind of feel like that's the journey in life. And the best thing about life is that it's lots of different lives within one life. Mm -hmm. And in my head that one day I will be in a wheelchair again. So it's like when that point comes, will I have a good back catalogue to look back on and to be sat there remembering hopefully with a gin and tonic and Daniel <laughs> while watching the sunset. And if if I get all of those little lives right, and that's finding your sense of self, isn't yeah. it? So, and if I get more me as I go, then I'll be hopefully happier at the end. And yeah, that's that's what we strive to do oh, with our, with everything. Yeah. yeah, I love that. No, you're so right. You're so right. And so how long after sort of those two years where you were recovering and... Yeah, recovering in every sense of the word. Uh, did you think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try this this ceramics thing properly. Ooh, Fifteen years. Was like, it as long as that? Yeah, so that's, that's yeah. when you worked in the opticians. Which I like that you said that because now you're like, oh god, he's old. I didn't know how well, old he was. Yeah. Is, <laughs> you've got to know is he's so nice to look at. Listen, he's so nice to look at. So yeah, it was fifteen years because I was totally broke in a wheelchair because. There was loads of things, couldn't sign on. There was loads of, didn't have the brain power to do it. It was a different world then, so you couldn't just do stuff on the, on the computer. Oh, but also, um, isn't that just such a damning indictment of, of, of this country that someone can be in such a terrible way? Yeah, they were like, well, you can work. And at one point, I was like, I'm totally bedbound. I really can't. Um, <laughs> it was just like, ah. Uh, but that must be horrible as well, because if someone's telling you that you're one thing and you yeah. know that you're something else, it's sort of, it's like a weird way of like the government gaslighting you. It is, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, and it, it makes recovery so much harder of because course. it gives you so much more baggage to yeah. deal with and anger and which anger yeah, yeah. Useful. which is mean, why that's why the clay was good because I could put all the anger into the clay um, but then I was skint so I was like I need to do something I need to pay rent and yeah. stuff um, my family helped me loads while I was in the wheelchair mm. but then there is a point where you have to rejoin the real world isn't yeah. there and I was getting more able so I wanted to do stuff because mm. that's how you use it or lose it really with yeah. legs so I wanted to be out and about so you were like um, learning did you have to you had to, had learn, to learn how to walk again that was amazing got to well wasn't amazing was traumatic but actually looking back I look on everything quite happily because it's made me a more patient more understanding yes. more appreciative person and I got to use the cool crane in the swimming pool so <laughs> <laughs> which you'll, you'll never have seen but now I've said it you'll notice it all the time there's like a weird winch crane yes. that can winch people into the swimming pool so for about one minute you're literally just suspended 
in midair with all of the people swimming looking at you, um, which is quite a... Was that for rehab you'd swim? Yeah, yeah. So you're weightless in the water. So I could do things with my legs that I couldn't do walking um, Mm. because I didn't have balance either. Because if you're bed bound for a long time, you lose your balance. Um, So I had to learn it all again from scratch. And in the water was kind of my happy place because Mm. suddenly I'd gone from a point of not having all the freedoms that I had been used to, um, to being stuck in a chair. And then in the water, suddenly regained all these freedoms, can move in all directions. And yeah, just in the water, you're kind of a bit more isolated as well, aren't you? So it forces you to think about things. So yeah, yeah it's just a, another good mindfulness space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that weightlessness of being in water. Yeah. It's really freeing, isn't it? Yeah, very special. That's why I love like anything water. That's why I did a whale for episode one. Yeah. Oh, down. There was um, a lot of sort of mythical... Or, or not just in Pottery but also in sort of what you make now, that sort of m- Whimsy. mythical, well, <laughs> yeah. sealer life. Yeah, I love I love imagined worlds and yeah. I love making things that in my head are artefacts of other worlds. So we could just leave them places in an ideal world where there wasn't like theft or vandalism or anything. Yeah. We could leave them places and there'd be like little momentary installations and people would find them and they'd think, oh, what made that? And it helped yeah. other people imagine and enjoy the world like I, yeah I like yeah. just to make silly things really <laughs> I, but I think they were so charming I was like I was looking at the bits and pieces that you make this morning both on your Instagram and on your website which by the way everyone Adam's ceramics like have a look at it and also buy his stuff um, <laughs> but like the little people and the little sort of creatures yeah little mushroom people and we love studio ghibli films anything japanese and cute me and daniel absolutely love yeah and i think that those little imagined worlds are just yeah it's just fun isn't it and i think that pottery should be fun and anything creative should be fun it should be a piece of you and whether that is something very serious it can still be very fun can't it yeah and yeah i just like to put bit of fun in everything. I lost well, my train of thought. <laughs> I don't know whether it's the same as stand-up, but certainly for me I know that when I'm trying very hard to write a piece of material, it doesn't come. Yeah, you can't force it. You can't. Like, yeah. it's, or you've it just, just got to go with it. Yeah, or like it doesn't... Or if you're holding on, if you sort of want things in your career or you'd like to do a thing or you want to create a great show or do a great tour, sometimes if you want it so much that you're sort of squeezing it, I mean, it's sort of like squeezing clay in your hands and then it sort of goes to nothing. And then you're like, oh, what was this? What was this meant to be? And the whole reason I started doing comedy was because it was fun. Yeah, and, and you've got to keep joy that fun, in it. don't you? Yeah. If you? Yeah, if you push it too hard, you're going to end up with just a mess. So yeah, just gently coerce things and yeah okay I want to come around and make those little yeah people. definitely come around I want and to come around and make pottery. friends to yeah. take home yeah <laughs> little clay friends little that's clay the friends. problem though I do hold on to a lot of stuff as well because I'm like oh that's really special that's that moment or that's that day and Dan's like oh my god we're getting buried under clay yeah I mean Dan's yeah. in the studio I should say and he's sort of gently nodding <laughs> so whilst you were working in the opticians and I assume there was you know whilst you say there was sort of two years of you getting up and walking again psychologically and physically and mentally that must have been a much longer journey of sort of accepting that your life had shifted in such a way yes yes accepting you do have to accept a lot but Mm -hmm. also and I do think that part of this is the 
the gay journey as well, you get told to be in a box and you kind of balk against it, don't you? A bit mm-hmm. like, actually, I'm gonna, I might be in this box, but I'm going to make it a fabulous box. And so they told me I wouldn't be able to walk. They told me I wouldn't be able to do lots of cognitive things, which my train of thought is all over the place. But as long as you kind of go with that, yeah. then it, it's all right. And working in the opticians, I was like, oh, I can be happy and fun with people. So they put me right at the front of the opticians and I was helping people choose glasses and being like, oh, yes, you look absolutely fabulous. Or if someone didn't, I'd be like, these look awful, let's go there. (laughs) Uh, So just being open and honest. honest. You do, exactly. I don't wear glasses, but I feel like if I did, I'd want someone to be like, Adam, no. Please no. These are not good. These aren't aren't yours. (laughs) But I'd do that and then be like, but these are are the ones. So I'd make sure everyone was really happy. And that kind of worked. And then also because my brain's a bit sketchy, it's a bit all over the place, um, I write a lot of notes. So I've always got a notepad with me. And in an opticians, that's a really good thing because you're writing down everything that's happening. So I do it sort of almost robotically. And then lots of people coming to me and being like, oh, what? how did I do this? What happened there? And I was like, oh, this is a really good tool for a workplace. And then slowly started working my way up from just being the frames advisor in an opticians to fast forward 15 years. I was regional in boots helping Ah. out with training and stuff so the person that couldn't really do anything I got told I wasn't going to be able to do a lot of things and decided I'll just do it differently and that meant that I managed to do really well in boots because it was different to anything they had done before and so they celebrated it did mean that I got stuck in a career that I didn't really want Mm -hmm. Um, it was glass related (laughs) <laughs> so my degree kind of came came true. Um, but then we have a really creative friend, which you'll have loads of creative friends from comedy, but in Brighton there's some totally nuts outside-the-box people who are amazing. And we've yeah. got a couple of friends who are just phenomenal, aren't they? And they do... They're self-employed and they do crazy, arty, amazing things that you'd never think you'd make money from. So, yeah. like, in the... In the normal world where growing up in Seaford, I thought you have to be either a banker or a yeah. this or that, like something very starched and serious. Like in Brighton, the eccentricities are celebrated and people do make money from doing them. So we were like, if our friend Phil is amazing, he does illustrations, he does all of these cool things and we're always wanting to do the next thing with Phil, aren't we? He's that friend mm-hmm. that you just think he's very cool. And he was like, why, aren't, why don't you just do art? And I was like, well because I need to pay a mortgage. And he's like, well, I'm doing it. Like, why can't you? And I was a bit like, oh, that's... I need to step outside of my optician's box Mm -hmm. and maybe be like the me I thought I would be when I went to uni to do glass blowing. Yeah. Couldn't do that. But Brighton has this amazing thing called open houses um, where people open their house and you fill your house with whatever arts or crafts. It could just be a table. It could be all your walls, um, whatever you make. And I've always done, like drawing and painting and loads of different things and Dan's a graphic designer and illustrator so um, the two of us together were like let's open house and then that open house kind of led to both of us being freelance and then that moment because you sold stuff and you were like oh this is a viable thing yeah people actually buy stuff that's amazing was that quite nerve-wracking when you were like oh let's sleep terrifying yeah terrifying it's and was that pre-pottery throwdown that's all pre-pottery throwdown so I was making like little I make little mushrooms and crunkles which are like these little tea lights yes uh, with loads of holes in yes what I've just been given yeah so you've now got one for your home so lots of hopefully lots of people in Brighton have got those and they're like if you cut me in half 
Um, that's kind of what I would be because it's like a it's a non-pottery piece of pottery and I'd make those and I'd make these little mushrooms on um, originally knitting needles but then knitting needles suddenly became really expensive um, and people would put them in their garden but yeah. then I'd do dog portraits Dan does great gift cards and posters and stuff so our house was like a really eccentric one um, based around fun because we went to a lot of open houses and you kind of walk in and you look at something and it's like eight grand and you're like, oh my God, God. It's, you don't want to touch anything, you barely want to breathe just mm. in case you knock something over. And we were like, this is amazing and this is valid, but there's also another end of the spectrum. Um, let's do something really crazy, kooky and fun, full of whimsy. Our friend Phil was obviously up there as, as one of the people that inspired us. So, yeah, we're just... And that's lovely as well because when you go to somewhere that's like an, an affordable art fair or somewhere you know it's great that there's the stuff that's like crazy you know, expensive yeah, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like oh that must be lovely if you're a millionaire yeah one it, day yeah. when I win the lottery <laughs> it's so nice to be able to go to things and be like oh here's a little memento of my day out yeah and it's that a makes you a little bit happy that's, yeah. that's that moment that I love it's the bit where I've made something and I've made it at an affordable price so someone can buy it and it's that moment where they it's not the buying it it's where they interact with it and it kind of they feel that little bit of joy that I had making it which is what I love and it becomes quite addictive actually so Open House did show us that we love making stuff so we yeah we made we made driftwood key rings one year we made big paintings one year with gold leaf on didn't we we've done like loads jack of all trades master of none but that's kind of but artists yeah that's just people isn't it as well like every single shade like it's yeah something for everyone and then Pottery Showdown happened. So, yes. <laughs> and then that kind of gave us the moment to breathe, didn't it? Like we were. Have you? Did you ever watch The Good Life? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe I'm quite a lot yeah. older. Um, oh no, I think I don't think you're older than me. I think I am. Um, yeah. Oh, you look. <laughs> I don't want to tell anyone. I'm, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thirty-six. <laughs> oh, I'm thirty-nine. Eight. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> he had to check with Dan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 38. So, yeah, yeah it's a so good life. Good life. Was a, yeah, yeah. That was a programme that was on when we were young. And that's, yeah, that's how we saw, me and Dan saw ourselves as as them, I didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw us as uh, But, yeah, and we were, yeah, poor but happy making yeah. stuff. And, like, Open House never made millions or anything but it meant that we could make the next thing and that's my approach to anything creative as long as I can afford to make the next thing then I'm happy Um, obviously Pottery Throwdown meant we we sold a few more things which has meant that I can explore things like glazing Mm. making bigger stuff because like on the show making a sink I can't afford that much clay and all that much glaze it gives you opportunities that you'd never get and from being in a wheelchair you kind of think try and experience everything so when Dan's mum was like you should apply for Throwdown I was like but I can't do any of the stuff but I will so I'll apply oh that's so nice that it was Dan's mum that encouraged you yeah yeah just from like silly little gifts that I'd give her because we did Christmas decorations because you can use cookie cutters roll out a bit of clay use a cookie cutter you can make Christmas decorations Done. Okay, Easy. can, can so I come made... around and do that? Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, great. Come over. You know, we've got a new house, we're going to get a tree. It's very yes. exciting. I'm going to have to do that. Definitely. Yeah, there's so many things that yeah that we can make. Hand building is super, yes. super fun. Yes. Because so, you've thrown now, haven't you? I have thrown. So we'll get you hand building at yes, one point. Yes, please. Well. Yeah. yeah. And so now you're in this sort of very, you've got that creative life. Yeah, yeah. We've you... stepped into that creative bubble and we're doing all right so far. 
Of course you are, because Sorry. you've got enough <laughs> to, to do cut you off mid-question then. No, 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 no. There's, there's no question. No. It's just a conversation. That's what happens in chit-chat. You know, you talk over each other and it's then you listen and say, something. Hey. In, in front, front of, of me, me. To I'm do, sorry, I should yeah. have like said, <laughs> no, please like bring some clay. clay sculpture. <laughs> uh, we should have made little mushroom people. Yeah. Um, so the final question that I ask absolutely everyone that comes on the show is sort of a message to an earlier version of yourself. But then some people on the show say, oh no, I don't like that because if I if, if I'd been able to pick up the phone and hear something about the future, I never would have known what would happen next. Yeah. I never would have, you know, I it's the, it's the what-ifs that sort of make life interesting. So maybe someone's listening to this and maybe they've, being in a situation, I may be thinking of like the version of Adam not long after the accident and when you sort of had this, you know, the, the language you used was, you know, your your art career shattered. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's someone that's, that's at that place right now where it feels like there's maybe a, a road to recovery from, you know, from, from whatever's going on in their life. If you could reach out to that person or that version of yourself and give them a hug and a bit of advice about the future, what would you say? Oh, that's a bit gone. What if I had a time machine? <laughs> um, I think when things shatter, you can look at them from two angles, either a mess or a fun jigsaw. And I think I look at things like they're a fun jigsaw, like I'll make the best of a bad situation. And my advice to myself would kind of be, if you put in a bit of work, life kind of only just gets better. And look at the... Look at the beautiful things. Always look at the silver linings. And you never know who you're going to meet because you just need to meet the right people that spear you on and, and encourage you. And then life just gets exponentially better. He tapped his partner, Daniel, at that point, and it was gorgeous. Um, That's perfect. A perfect way to end the pod. Thank you. Thank you. That was the brilliant Adam Ceramics. Uh, please look at everything that he's doing on Instagram and on his website, he is so brilliant I love the stuff that he makes I'm so excited to go to his house and make some small little sort of clay woodland creatures um, I hope that you liked this conversation as much as I did I loved it as always you can get in touch the email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com and just to remind you there is a live episode of Out on the 2nd of December Christmassy Christmas vibes and uh, please come along uh, you can get tickets at uh, the Soho Theatre website or maybe mine susieruffle.com okay Thank you so much, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye, 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 bye.